Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode, we chat with Mark Crickey and Brent Vanderwood about stewardship, faith, Christianity, and we get into truth. What is truth? What are the principles you live by? Why do you live by them? This made me think a lot. You know, I went to school in Mississauga, both Nick and I did. Um, it was part of the Catholic school system. And I think a lot of the teachings in the way, maybe it wasn't the teachings themselves, but the way it was delivered during that process, I never really feel completely felt completely connected to it, drifted away from religion entirely through my adult life. And I didn't realize Mark and Brent were coming in to speak about this when they first came in to speak about it. I thought we were talking about real estate and what they were doing with real estate, maybe a few other things, but we got into this. And the first time we recorded it, the audio didn't work, so we had to bring them back. So this was actually our second chat with Mark and Brent. So I really appreciate them. They're a longtime Rockstar Inner Circle members. They came in to chat about this. They run a podcast called The Two Stewards Show. Um, and we just talk about you know finances. We get into Bitcoin and what does Bitcoin represent how does this get intertwined into some of their own thinking? So I really appreciate this kind of chat, this kind of talk. Makes me think a little, makes me question some of my own thoughts. And I really appreciate getting to understand other people's point of view a little bit better. So uh, yeah, really enjoyed this. I'm really interested in the feedback in this particular episode. So feel free to share it. And that's what we were talking about on this particular episode. And if you are listening to this, I want to share something about this thing that we run called the Rockstar Inner Circle. We get to hang around with such an amazing group of people like Mark and Brent on this episode have been longtime members and the membership is just full of so many different people with so many different points of view and they're all trying to live their best life. And I really feel blessed and grateful to be able to be involved in this thing. And Rockstar Inner Circle isn't just about income properties or real estate or about creating cash flow. It's about critical thinking, challenging yourself, really trying to live your own life on your terms and defining what that means to you. So we have this membership that started with real estate, but it's definitely been morphed into more than that. It's why we talk about things like gold in the past and definitely why we talk about Bitcoin today. So if you want to find out what all the events are that are involved with Rockstar Inner Circle, why we're going down to Florida now with a bunch of Rockstar Inner Circle members, what's involved in this whole thing, you can visit the Rockstar Inner Circle membership page by going to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member and check out all the benefits of becoming a Rockstar Inner Circle member. That's it for the intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We are live. I think I have all the settings correct. I see the volume moving. We are good. We're live with Mark Cricky and Brent. Let me try it. Vander Vanderwood. Yes. But that's not the way you say it. Vandervoude? I don't know. It's, yeah. I don't know. I say Vanderwood, but... And both of your backgrounds are... Well, my, mine would be Krika. Krika? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> right? Yeah, that sounds serious. Uh, no. And it, the, the ethnic background of this la both these last names is... Dutch. Dutch. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And you guys met uh, at Rockstar 
and uh, go, you know, we've had this conversation before, but explain it to me. <laughs> We're laughing because we started. Oh, okay. anyone why, listen- why have we had this? Yeah. Anyone listening to this? We started this podcast and recorded something, but uh, there was a little setting that was incorrect. It was all my fault. So we had the video, but we had no audio at all. It might have been better. I think it was actually, I I skipped through it. It looked really good. Like the conversation we had looked engaging. It was, I think it was the best podcast we had ever done here. So, uh, so so walk us through this. How did you guys, you guys (laughs) met at rockstar and then, um, because you were both interested in real estate, is that, is that how you got to rockstar in the first place? You're like, I'm going to use real estate to create financial freedom. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. That was, uh, that was it for me. I think your messaging kind of resonated with both of us. And we found ourselves at a, a meetup and we're like, hey, you look Dutch. <laughs> I forget. I don't know how it came about, but uh, yeah, we, we discovered that we go to the same church or the same church federation. So not the same uh, uh, individual church, but yeah. So what is the same yeah. church federation? That's a group of churches that all belong together in some capacity. What ties the federation together? Yeah, yeah like a shared set of beliefs uh, or doctrinal standards that... So this is this is something different than being a Protestant, correct? Yeah. This federation. Yeah, within Protest- Protestantism, you have different different churches, right? And that's um, it's it's interesting how many different ones there are, and that's maybe we'll talk about it if we uh, if we go back to the Reformation again. But that's sort of like a logical um, outworking of of part of the Reformation that a lot of different uh, instead of having it centralized. Now, people were like, no, I think this is right. I think this is right. Well, I'm going to start my own church. I'm going to do this, right? Okay. So there's lots of different um, types of types, if you want to say, of Protestantism. It's a hard word. There you go. Right? You got Baptists. You got Methodists. You got um, Reformed, right? See, this That's is what's brand. always confused me. And this is yeah. when you asked me about like, wow, I'm surprised you didn't read the Reformation when we spoke before. <laughs> Correct. I'm like, well, I read, went to read Catholic. about the Reformation. Yeah. Read about or the Reformation. Yeah. Read about the Reformation. Um, I went to Catholic school and I guess in my era going to Catholic school in Mississauga, they just talked about the Catholic religion it wasn't you know it was like roman catholic you kind of heard about this thing this protestant thing maybe this eastern orthodox thing if you're like yeah. a teacher didn't show up and you're like why aren't they here today and they're like oh well their christmas is like on this day or something you're like oh like well i don't understand they have a different calendar yeah yeah what's that all about but it was really a closed kind of system to me that's what it felt like at the time like we didn't learn anything about you know what protestants would believe and why they believed it it was really just here's the that's funny right no it's understandable because because well, yeah. they hate the Pro- each other yeah, well the protestants <laughs> broke off of the yeah. catholic church and <laughs> yeah. yeah and my my whole and this is why when we were talking where you're like i mentioned like my whole understanding of the protestant kind of religion religion am i saying it right yeah, Protestant religion, uh, Protestant belief. I think, yeah. yeah, the religion would be Christian. Yeah, so how do you say the Protestant movement? Movement, that's a good word. Yeah. Um, I I always picked it up from Netflix historical TV shows when like, <laughs> when, when, seriously, and this is when you were like, the, hey, that was like the fiat education way to learn <laughs> about right. the Protestant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, the, I just learned like, I'm out, like, oh, this English king, he's upset with the Vatican. He wants to kind of screw them. So he's like saying, hey, forget your yeah. Roman Catholic style. <laughs> I'm going to go with this other style and do something what different. Show, what show was that? I forget, but there's been like three or four on Netflix 
Netflix at least. You've never watched such Netflix uh, Netflix shows? No, we don't These, watch movies. No? Is that also part of the Protestant thing that you don't watch movies? Anyway, um, so give me, kind of give me the, the lowdown on like, what does this mean to you guys? You guys are Protestants. You have, what, this is a big part of your life. I think for me, I blocked out a lot of things that I went through in school, yeah. um, but you guys clearly do not and this is a big part of you, what does it mean to you to say, hey, I'm Christian and I'm Protestant? What does that mean? Yeah, so, I mean, like practically speaking, and when it comes to real estate as well, it's about stewardship, right? So there's this idea um, that everything we have is a gift. So God gives us gifts, and that can be different uh different forms, right? So it could be like people often go to money as that, like, oh, this is a gift from, but yeah, it is. But there's also like your talents, your intelligence, your health, your, your family, all these things. These are gifts that God gives to us. And then we have to use it wisely. Right. So I don't know if you watch like Lord of the Rings, um, you had the stewards of Gondor, mm-hmm. right? So these were the guys, have you watched that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Right. So the stewards weren't the actual royal family, right? They're waiting for the true king to come back, right? And you can see there's some parallels here already, right? So that was, uh, what's his face? Uh, Strider, Aragorn, right? He was the uh, true heir of, uh, of the kingdom. So the stewards were just watching over that kingdom until the true king came back, right? And then eventually they, they became corrupt and they, you know, they just acted as though it was their own kingdom. Um, you know, and that wasn't a good scene. But the whole point is, um, it, it's kind of this, like, that's an example of being a steward, right? And mm-hmm. they were called the stewards of Gondor. So we, we have the same thing, right? Everything that we have, it's not ours, <clears throat> right? With Bitcoin, it's like, not your keys, not your coins, your keys, your coins. So yeah, that that's true. But for us, it would be like, no, everything I have, I'm just kind of taken care of for God because he gave this to me as a gift and then um, I got to do the best that I can with it. But I have to remember it's not mine. So I can't be too attached to it either. Right. That's, that's a a temptation, especially in real estate and and people who start building wealth. You're like, Oh, this is all my wealth. This is my security. This is what I take comfort in. Right. For us. um, That's not what it's about. Right. We have security and that's God's gift of salvation to us. That really gives us security and contentment in our life, or it's supposed to anyways, right? We're, we're not perfect, and we often get sucked into materialism and consumerism. So the highest calling for you would be to maximize your talents, and you are not possessing or directly owning really anything. You are maximizing the implementation of your talents in your current life in whatever form that may be. And then the wealth that you gain from, from whatever you're doing with those talents really is you being rewarded perhaps for some of those talents, but it's not that wealth isn't really yours. You just are getting the benefit of sharing talents, earns you some wealth, but you're, you're, you don't really possess that wealth is what you're saying. It's, it's just a one benefit from acting in line with the principles that you believe in. Yeah. So am I, am I saying that I can jump in? So the, like one thing we believe, um, is that like, what is the purpose of mankind? Right? Like that's a really deep question. I think (laughs) tell us, yes, (laughs) but yeah, the Bible kind of explains it that 
you know, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So the two kind of parts of that is you live your life, uh, even your life, right? You can't say like, I was born because I'm so good, right? It's like, no, you were given life, right? Um, and that's kind of where it starts, right? You were given life, you were given, you know, parents and family, you were given relationships, you were given time on this earth, you're given health. Um, and all those things you kind of, from a Christian worldview, you kind of acknowledge that they come from God, right? He created us, he created this world, and then he gives us all these things. And then what do we do with them, right? Like we can, we could hoard things for ourselves, we could be selfish and self-serving. Um, and I think generally people think that's, you know, that's probably not the greatest thing to do, but it comes from, um, like a Christian context of, you know, we've been given these things. Okay. Um, now what do we use them for? Well, we use them for the glory of God, right? And how do we know what the glory of God is? It's pretty simple. We just read the Bible and you can kind of get a really good idea of what, what glorifies God, like what behaviors glorify God what uses of your time would be the best service. Um, And that goes to the second point, which is like to enjoy him forever, um, which is ties back to what Mark said about stewardship is this eternal context, right? Because with investors, it's kind of cool like to be in a community of investors where people think long-term and most people in our culture don't think long-term, right? They don't think, oh, you know what? In 10 years, they just think I got to work tomorrow or so I got to get to bed and then I work and then I'm going to have it's a bunch horrible. of cash for yeah. the weekend or yeah. whatever. Right. And we have this kind of like, I don't say pandemic, but epidemic of short term thinking. Um, but in a Christian worldview, the it's long term, but it's eternal. Right. You think uh, about uh, an eternity um, because God is eternal and we believe, you know, you go to heaven. That is an eternal existence with God and it's an opportunity to enjoy him forever. So. Um, we, we kind of live this life in that context, knowing that, you know, our actions, our words, our thoughts are supposed to bring God glory. And then also, um, like with the context of eternity, that's interesting in that mind, it gives right? you a long-term perspective thinking the way you've just outlined it. So what would you say to someone if I was to say, well, yeah, I kind of agree with a lot of that, but I don't know if I have to map it back to God because yeah. I think we talked about this a, bre- a bit before that if I have my own principles I live by, do the right thing, give 110%, treat others as you would treat yourselves. What would you say to somebody like myself who thought, and I think that came from me just kind of shunning a little bit of my school system and being so disappointed with some of the things that I went through there. I wasn't abused or anything. And it wasn't like that bad. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just, it's just some of the, some of the uh, schooling I went through, I guess, in the Catholic school system, I think, I think I shared this too. It just like when I got married, it was kind of like this weird experience. There was like nothing fun or positive about it. And there was no context like the way you described. So I think I just came to this myself, like, Oh, here's the way I'm going to live. And this seems to guide me really well. It gives me long-term perspective. What would you say to someone like me who's living by these principles, but perhaps doesn't tie it back to the Bible, God, something like that. I think my first question would be, what do you base that on, right? You, you kind of just alluded to it. You're like, you know, these kind of principles, they seem to be the right thing to do, right? You know where, I, you that, know where I based them on? Yeah. I watched a video from um, this one coach from Notre Dame. 
I'm not even joking. So football, I'm not okay. even joking. I based it on football. And this coach outlined the principles for the team. I'm not even joking. Okay. And I watched this video in my early 20s, I guess. I watched the video and I thought, that's just such a perfect summary. Yeah. I'm going to live the rest of my life. It was like a sales VP that was yeah. sharing all this information with us. And I thought, oh my gosh. Yeah, because I've listened to this podcast forever and I've always wondered where that comes from. Yeah, it came from like a very famous, I should look him up, a very famous Notre Dame football coach. Wow. Who outlined it and there was a video and it was one of those like motivational videos. Yeah. I think the sales VP was trying to get everyone pumped up. And a, a part of the video, the coach just outlines like, here's the way we are going to live as this family. And he, he outlined these three principles. And I thought, that's just perfect, simple. Yeah. I'm gonna live the rest of my life from this day following those principles. <laughs> and that's where I got the principles from. So yeah, there you go. Could I give you a better layup to answer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of people um, kind of live that way or have, have similar notions, right? And it's like, where do these ideas come from? Right. They don't just appear like yeah. do this the coach right didn't, thing. Yeah. Do the, what's the right yeah. thing. So you, you go a little bit deeper. Like it's like when you're looking at, I think for most, for us here, we got into real estate, realized it was good. Like I, I didn't realize why, right. After we bought our, our second property, it was like, Oh, it's probably like, you know, figure out why this is a good idea. Totally, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and then you, you kind of go down the rabbit hole of, uh, and then sort of get into macro, but it's always like, you want to know why, right. And sort of first principle yeah. question, yeah. right. Like why yeah. is real estate good? Yeah. Oh, because it outperforms everything else. Oh, why does it outperform everything else? And then you get into like our corrupt money system. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, okay. So this is like the only way, one of the only ways for regular people to outpace the money system. Why is the money system so bad? And then you get into like money and then you get into Bitcoin. So it's the same thing. Like why, what is the right thing to do? Why do you, why is treating other people right? The right thing to do? Why is not killing somebody mm. the right? Because you want to take their stuff. Why would we do that? Right? So it comes down to the fact that there's truth. There's absolute truth. And that's sort of under attack in, in popular thinking, right? This whole idea that there is actually an absolute standard, right? So we went, you had, you know, the Christianity at enlightenment, you, you had um, like all these different eras where people's thinking kind of changed. You get the modernism, postmodernism, right? Nietzsche wrote about, um, you know, God is dead, right? And he wasn't, he wasn't, he was saying that from a point of despair, right? You, you often hear that people say, oh, this is what Nietzsche said, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the era of God is over. But he, it, what he actually said is God is dead and we have killed him. So it's, you know, by our own hubris, we've, we've put away uh, Christian principles and the things that we've learned and a lot of these truths. And we've moved towards like a man-centered truth. And you can kind of see how that has worked out through postmodernism, relativism, right? Where, okay, there is no absolute truth, but truths are in relation to each other. And now we're in a post-truth society where the only truth is my feelings. And that's the only thing that matters for me. And the only truth for you is your feelings and how the, and like, we can see what's happening with that. Yeah. And it's just, Let's see where this goes. You see where it goes. And, yeah. Horror you know, show. Especially young people are just so anxious, so depressed. They have nothing to to hold on to because there's no truth anymore. So that whole thing, you know, thing of like the golden rule, treat others, yeah. um, you know, live your life a certain way. Like that doesn't apply because why, 
Mm-hmm. That assumes that there's a, an actual truth and there's a moral standard where, you know, acting well or, or not killing somebody or not stealing all these things um, actually have a meaning. Mm-hmm. And where do they come from, right? If the only truth is my feelings, well, then I can do whatever I want because it doesn't really matter. Right. So, yeah, and who are for, you to say that I'm wrong? Right. Like if, yeah. if you did something and that was your truth, um, you know, who are you to hold up this standard, mm-hmm. like your own personal view against mine and, you know, tell me I'm wrong. Right. And then, yeah, you see all these sexual perversions that are at play now in our culture. Mm-hmm. Right. Kind of, is that truth? Like, is it true that you can change your gender based on your feelings? Like, is it actually true mm-hmm. or is it just some sort of, you know, um, perversion based on someone's idea of truth in their head? So how do you reconcile that there's absolute truth with your, I guess, your um, human decision to accept that the version of truth you believe true is the one you're looking at. How do you reconcile that? Yeah, you you have to question, right? That's really, if you just accept something blindly without questioning, like what is the value in that, right? So for us, we hold that the Bible is sort of that standard of truth. That's something that's been divinely inspired and given to us as sort of that that um, that the guide for guide for life, if you want to call it, or yeah. Well, you say whatever. it's divinely inspired too, but like the Bible itself tells us that it's divinely inspired as well, right? Yeah. Um, like all scripture is God breathed, and why are you bringing that that point up? You think? Well, I'm just important? saying because like you could say, well, what what other like what about my book? Mm-hmm. My book is you know we believe that's the best book, right? So. Yeah, you kind of have to get to the validity of the Bible as a scriptural truth or as, um, yeah, that base. Yeah. Okay. And at a, at a certain point, it's it's faith, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Everybody has faith in something. Whether you're an atheist, you have faith that what you believe is actually true, right? Mm-hmm. That God doesn't exist and that uh, the universe was, you know, created by chance, right? That's like, that's faith. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, like the, the, the reason that is because people don't know everything, right? Like we don't know everything. We'll never will. So we have to believe something, right? And people will believe whatever they think is right mm-hmm. or whatever their parents told them or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So even the atheist, like you said, believes something, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah I can that, see how I could spend a, n- No, I, just, I mean, there's just so much to this. Like it's been obviously <laughs> people, you spend a lifetime going through through all of this. Why are you, um, you, so you brought up Bitcoin a couple times and I think I know why you're bringing up Bitcoin, but can you tell us how did you get to this understanding of what what is your current understanding of Bitcoin? Or maybe the better question is, is what role does Bitcoin play in your current framework of thinking? Ooh. So initially it was like, wow, look at this thing. It's going up like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Mark, how much do you have? We're going to get rich. <laughs> yeah. You should buy some of this stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, Everyone <laughs> steward your wealth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> oh so, it, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, 
It's kind of like real. We started estate. a group, right? We started a little chat group, and we yeah. had three people in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the price came down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the chat stopped. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It stopped. Yeah. It's like um, I, I'll never forget when the pre- sorry, Mark, I'm going to answer, but when that when the uh, like I was I'm a big gold guy. I guess since 2008, it was like I got to figure out this gold thing. I think we rehashed this in 2008. It was. Our family almost lost everything in the 90s. So then when 2008 happened and it looked like the world, the financial world was going to come to an end, I got caught off guard and I finally decided to study macroeconomics and that led me to gold and I turned into a real gold guy. I really understood why real estate started to outperform. That's when I really understood it. Yeah. First principles of like, wow, this is why real estate is outperforming. It might be the leverage that I'm using and not the proper, you know, there's nothing yeah. magical really about real estate in and of itself. It's this whole leverage concept and being able to handle the leverage. And uh, and then, you know, going down the kind of whole, the, the whole gold thing, I remember someone mentioning Bitcoin to me at least twice the first time um, it was a, a Your Life, Your Terms event. One of the AV guys turns to me and says, hey, I'm buying this thing. And he shows it to me on my on his phone. And he's yeah, like, it's this Bitcoin thing. And I'm just kind of <laughs> like, dude, like we're going to start the Rockstar coin. Okay. Yeah. Like, how about that? We'll start. You have, have your you, Have you done that? You have your bit. No, no. And we never will. But uh, he's like, you know, we have this Bitcoin thing. I'm like, how about this? I have the Rockstar thing and I'll make some Rockstar coins. You want some of those Rockstar? And, and uh, he didn't know enough to even challenge that. We just kind of laughed. And then. I was reading more and more about gold and then the Bitcoin had Bitcoin had the run up in 2017 yeah. and then it kind of crashed down and I expected it to go to like absolute zero. Like I thought, oh my gosh, like this. Th- yeah, there it goes. It's this whole tulip thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I checked in on it maybe 2018 or around then. And it, to my shock, it wasn't at zero. It was at like, I think it was around 6K, yeah. so, something like that. And I remember being stunned. Yeah. Like, wait, why is this thing not at zero? Like, but I moved on. And then the next time I was at a conference and some guys going back into the conference after break and he, we knew each other a little bit and he goes, Tom, I think he was a rock star member that happened to be there. And he goes, Tom, have you looked into that Bitcoin thing anymore? And I, he, you know, when someone says something and they just, it shocks you a little yeah. bit. And I pause and he put his arm around me Ooh. and he said, I'm really surprised you haven't gone down that rabbit hole yet. And then he just walked off. And I remember just being like, you know, when you have one of those moments, challenge, like, yeah, challenge like, what accepted. have I been missing here? And then, no, I still ignored it. Okay. I still ignored it. And then eventually during the pandemic and that shut down, I started reading, you know, all about macroeconomics. And that's when I was like, wow. And that's when I ran to Nick's office going, I was wrong. Yeah. I was so wrong. We got to buy some of this shit immediately. (laughs) Immediately. (laughs) And then we bought a little bit and we thought we had, you know, we had enough. And then we're like, no, we got to buy more of this Yeah, now and Nick's just holding the reins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick's like keeping me just in check, yeah. right? Um, so anyway, that's a little bit of my own journey through this this process. But Mark, yeah, I'm curious, like, how did you get to it? And, you know, what's your story around it? Yeah, I mean, initially it was the, um, I, I don't know, the probably pr- a little bit price. of rock star uh, information too, right? But yeah, the, the price, like, oh, it's going up, we should... You know, my wife bought me some for a birthday a little bit, and then it went up like it really went up. We were like, oh, wow. Right. But then I don't know. So we said as Christians, we, we always question, right? You're always questioning, looking. And, you know, we kind of, I think, do the same with um, just with 
personal investments too, right? You're always looking. So I looked into like, oh, okay, well, there's you got this Bitcoin, you got Ethereum, you got Solana, right? All the use cases. And then eventually came to the conclusion, like, these are all garbage. Um, like, there's no good reason for them to exist. And Bitcoin is actually, like, it's truth. In, in so much as we can have truth on earth here, right? Because again, we have that sort of eternal perspective, but it's, um, what does Greg Foss say? Like it's, it's math plus code equals truth, I think. Mm. <laughs> um, and uh, he's an interesting one to, to quote. But um, yeah, it's, it, it really like resounds with us and kind of aligns with our values. And so I think last when we were on last time, it was just after Halloween. And like, look, there's two important things yesterday, right? One was... The, ref- the anniversary of the Reformation, the start of it, when Martin Luther uh, kicked things off. But then it was also the uh, the white paper, yeah. the Bitcoin white paper from Satoshi. And I don't think it was a, an accident that he released it on the same day, right? So it both um, kind of marked the start of a move away from centralization. So in the case of the Reformation, it was moving away from the uh, corrupt centralized religious authority and putting responsibility and um, information back into the hands of regular people, right? A Bible that they could read in their own language instead of relying on a priest to tell them something once a week, maybe like, oh, you should do this, or this is what the church says, do that. Actually give them the information so that they can read it, read the Bible and be like, hmm, I don't think this is right. That's what Martin Luther did with Bitcoin. You've got this move away from centralized, like from central banks, right? Giving us financial information uh, that we can look at and hold and keep for ourselves. So the, the fruits of our labors when we're working are not going to be taken away via inflation and theft. We, yeah, theft essentially. So, was the right? Refora- Reformation um, and the printing press around? We talked about this, and I forget. Was it yeah. around about the exact same time or no? Yeah. yeah, printing press. I think was probably seventy-five years before Martin Luther started. Okay, uh, really started going. Okay, because that that you know, I'm always kind of fascinated on how technology moves mankind or humankind kind of in different directions. And it seems like the Reformation really benefited from the printing press because this idea really would have a limited influence in the world if it wasn't for the printing press that was able to document some of these new ideas. Because at that time, I think the Vatican would be the center of information and the center of centralized distribution of ideas and thoughts yeah. and the way you should live. But the printing press could take something like the Reformation, put yeah. it down on paper, and that could be distributed much more freely. So I think the... Yeah, one example was at the time of the Reformation, the Roman Catholic Church was selling indulgences, right? I don't know if you ever heard. Yeah, no, I have. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, talk so, about this? yeah, so they they were selling basically, well, I think it's pieces of paper that were basically saying, if you pay money. Allowed you yeah, to do these sins, you basically. Can, yeah, you can buy, buy your way into heaven or buy your family member's way into heaven, or basically you can pay for your sins by your financial contribution to the church, right? So you can think of at the church as like kind of a central power authority at the time that had, you know, they have the scriptures in they were basically in, the toll booth to the, yeah to heaven yeah and they have what like, a spot to be in they have the truth right the scripture <laughs> truth in in a different Good language analogy. so you can't understand it and then only that guy is allowed to read it because there's no books right so like there's no mass mm. media we don't yeah. have it on our phones um, so you know one guy reads it one guy 
you know, says a few things. And then all the people who rely on their salvation to get to heaven hear this every week. And they're like, well, shoot, I got to pay money to the church to get to heaven. Right. So what happened with Martin Luther and the reformers at the time was, yeah, the, the printing press was a technological invention that really happened. Um, but yeah, they happened at the same time. So these guys read the Bible and they say, you know what, it doesn't actually say that. Let's reveal the truth mm. and let's put it on this decentralized platform called books and we'll spread it everywhere. And the church just like, you know, we got to stamp this out. Like we are going to burn the books. Like we're going to, you know, torture the people and they try everything they can, right. Mm. To stamp it out. But it just spreads like crazy, right. Cause people are hungry for the truth. They're living in this world where they just have to give money to the church and see you later. Right. Yeah. And then this kind of changes and basically makes Western culture like happen. Mm. It's uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty monumentous. That's event a, in history. How does it make Western culture happen? Yeah, so that big <laughs> <laughs> comment. Well, it was, it was a change in thinking, right? Yeah. So again, away from that centralized authority. So um, every, okay, so that you could have a system that's decentralized and still uh, still operate, not dependent yeah. on a central authority for what to do tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, like atheism really stands on the shoulders of Christianity. It wouldn't be possible without Christianity and without, um, without specifically the, like the Reformation, where you can actually, again, we're, we're decentralizing information and the authority to store and to hold information um, into the hands of people. So now scientists could experiment and do th and question, be like, the church has been the authority in, in science and everything else. Like, is this actually true? Mm. Right now I have some license to actually go and, and, and do experiments and explore and, um, and figure things out. Right. Yeah. So you had God sort of and like thinking. So, so yeah. it, it okayed the, the ability for someone to have critical thought without yeah. feeling like that was wrong. Yeah. So it enabled and, critical thinking on everything. Yeah. yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah, 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 that's probably a simplification. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, and and really said like you have to think critically, not mm -hmm. just like you may. You have to. It's your responsibility to do that, to examine the world, to examine yeah. your life. Like that's one of God's commands in Genesis when he when he creates mankind. He's like, okay, now go and steward the earth. Like have dominion over the earth. You know, be fruitful and multiply. Right. So you know, have, have children steward the earth. Let's figure this stuff out. Let's research things. Let's do experiments and let's develop the, the earth, right? In a stewardly manner, which means for the glory of God, right? Yeah, and I mean, so. interesting note on that too, right? People always talk about technology and we have technology, we don't need God anymore. Like God is also the God of technology, right? There's some examples in the in the Bible as well. So a fellow named Tubal Cain, um, where God gave sort of him sort of the gift and the abilities to, to fashion tools and to do things like this, mm -hmm. right? So that early advent of technology, it's also a gift from God. And that's how we look at it too, right? So like <clears throat> Bitcoin as a technology, that's a gift and we got to use it. We got to, um, steward it properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. interesting. An interesting parallel too with Christianity and Bitcoin is once you discover the truth, you just want to share it, right? So you have evangelists, and the same thing with Bitcoin. Once you're like, you know, hey, this makes sense, let let's tell everybody. <laughs> and your mm -hmm. your podcast is an example. It's mm -hmm. like we've shifted. Yeah, I've come at it definitely <laughs> from a road of like, yeah, the the money side of things. Yeah. Like we are just being cheated and stolen from. But it's and, like, guys, why don't you get this? Like, yeah. We're slamming the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> uh, that's interesting. So, yeah, because I, I do believe that Bitcoin could potentially be a, a, a massive inflection point on humanity, that it's that big of a thing. And I think with people listening to this who haven't studied it would just be like, okay, Tom's now we know he's gone off the deep end. <laughs> but I just really believe that if you have this thing that really nobody can change or you know steal or manipulate that all around it the world is forced into a sort of order if that makes sense whereas do you kind of see where i'm coming well you can see the opposite is true if you look at the effects and that might be the better way to explain it yeah you're right because you can see the opposite is true and i think the fact that i was just talking about this at, at the gym with somebody there we were saying how we don't respect our elders anymore. And I respect uh, you, Tom. Damn, am I that old? I respect <laughs> both of you. Jesus Christ. No, now I'm swearing and I'm using the Lord's name in vain in front of you guys. Holy shit. Now I'm, sw- yeah, I'm out of control over here, Mark. I need all kinds of help. Um, this is, uh, but yeah, yeah, I was just explaining to him that like, we don't respect our elders, but I can almost see why, because everyone, to your point, is running around working yeah. so hard to make ends meet. We yeah. don't we don't have a culture or society that really enables you to have the time to go and sit down with your elders and listen to them. Like I always bring up this Croatian village that I went to as a kid, and I just learned so much from that freaking village because yeah. in that village there was. Um, my grandfather's brother. So my grandfather passed away at the age of uh, 99. His brother was into his hundreds, like 100 and 203, wherever. Nobody, you know, I think they just don't know anymore, but he was older than his brother. He was, and he was always hanging around there, didn't say much, but the, he was always kind of respected, even though people were making jokes about him, like, oh, yeah. there he is sitting on that log farting. Like that was kind of like one of the jokes, but they also all would say that he was the person who taught all of these people how to salt the prosciutto properly so that we have the great prosciutto we have to, it came kind of from him. Right. And then the the younger elders who were like, quote unquote, only in their 70s and 80s, yeah. who were still active, were the ones guiding different things. So if there was like a harvest that was going wrong, wrong or there was like a, a certain type of rainfall that people hadn't seen in a while, you would go to them to say, how do we handle this? Like I saw this happen right. and there was this, wisdom or knowledge passed down and it was respected. Whereas now I don't think anyone's stopping in at the old age home, sitting down to listen to what the older generation is saying. They're kind of tucked away and the rest of, you know, Western culture is running around trying to make ends meet. And to me, it's sad because I, I see the way elders kind of were respected in that smaller community. And maybe it's just not possible in a big population anymore, but to me, it's not possible because the money is so corrupted that the lifestyle now is just about always working to make ends meet and having no time for anything else. And we've lost this rich interactions with each other because our time is stolen. We don't have any time. Like I don't have any time to sit down with Brent and Mark and just have these chats for hours on end because everyone's running around trying to make money. And it's really like, our time is stolen from us. Our time is freaking stolen from us. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've society is very our, our view of mankind like it's very individualistic, right? 
And so you could say, well, that's an offshoot of, of the Reformation. Once you go away from central authority and put it in the hands of, of people, um, you know, that's just inevitable. But it, it's not because there's, I guess there's two aspects, right? There's your right and there's your responsibility. So we all are very big on our own rights, human rights, our right to to be busy, to make money and to do that stuff. But we forget about the responsibility to others. Right. And again, that's that depends on your worldview. Right. If I'm not living for myself, if I'm mm-hmm. using God's gifts for uh, for him, but also for other people, like then maybe I can yeah. have some kind of community yeah. where, old, you know, older people actually mean something. Right. And we respect them and we take care of them and um, and have relationships with them instead of just like you're of no value to me. Unless you could maybe teach me something, but other than that, or give like, me an um, inheritance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, so we're we're kind of in that sort of uh, we've been been in that worldview for a long time. I think the very individualistic. But that's so again. There's a parallel, right, with Bitcoiners. Most Bitcoiners um, are very are giving. And they'll just tell other people, they'll teach other people about stuff. And yeah, we got to make a living, but, um, you know, I'll help. Like, what do you want to know? Right. And mm-hmm. like, you guys are examples of that um, here, here at Rockstar and just so many Bitcoiners. You have this community. And that's what people are like, wow, there's a community here because mm-hmm. we're all rallying around a central cause and we're all, but it's not just like, um, a bunch of investment bankers out for a weekend. That's not a community. That's just a bunch of sharks like swimming around, seeing what they can eat, right? As opposed to you got a Bitcoin gathering. Mm-hmm. Um, people are there to to help each other, to learn, to grow. And then, you know, when what we try to cultivate in our churches is that same thing, that community. We're all here to praise God. But we're also here to like through through serving him. That means we care about other people. So we're going to have a community in our church and we're going to take care of people and old people mean something. And, um, you know, Mark, were you brought up in this way? Because it's obviously very meaningful to you. Do you brought up like this? Uh, I was. I was. But I was kind of a I would say a nominal Christian for a long time. What does that mean? Uh, so in name only, hmm. like, okay, yep, I, I, you know, I pay lip service. I, I know all the, like, I know the theology, um, but really I was living for I myself. I have to tie it to nominal rates and. Yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah nominal rates. As soon as you say that, I got, now I got, got it. Clicks. Got it. <laughs> real rate? Oh, real nominal. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally get a... that. <laughs> um, no, but it really didn't have a lot of meaning to me until probably a lot later in my life, which is pretty sad, right? Was it an event? Uh, no, I don't think it was an event. I think it was a process. Okay. And just different things in Questioning my life. life. Yeah. Um, Did you start going to church more then? Or were you always going to church? I think I always went. Okay. But it I mean, just had like, less of an impact on you. Well, yeah. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian, right? No. How I went, you to, live. I went to Catholic school, man. You're looking at a Catholic. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. Um, well, but that that is, I mean... Some people think that, right? If I go to church, mm-hmm. and I mean, that's actually, um, not trying to slam Roman Catholics here, but obviously we have some differences, but like membership in the church is your pathway to heaven in the Roman Catholic church, right? If you're not in the church, you can't be saved. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe yeah, if you're not baptized, you're not welcome into the kingdom of heaven. Is that a Protestant, Protestant thing as well? No, we believe in baptism, but it's oh. not a precondition for salvation. Got it's it. a our view is that it's a sign of, of God's faithfulness to us, got right? It. He's just saying, okay. you're my children. Wow, I'm learning so um, much. 
<laughs> great but uh yeah i don't know where i was uh, oh yeah so just my own faith journey yeah it was um yeah just nominal and it was not really invested for a long time and i'm still like i'm still working on that right that one of the things we believe is that mankind is sinful right all of us we're all corrupted by sin and so it's always going to be a struggle right we can work um work our faith out more and more but it's not like we're working towards our own salvation right i re- i believe i've got that jesus came died for my sins he gave me salvation so i don't have to work towards that Is i that still different? have a responsibility to live my life out of gratitude and the way that i know because now that i have the knowledge i have to live a certain way but that doesn't get me anything and like we touched very briefly on um on like wealth as a reward from God and stuff like that, right? So that's a popular teaching in in the church today. Um, it's called the prosperity gospel or the health and wealth gospel. Okay, and it's just it's an absolute perversion of what the real gospel is, right? Salvation is a gift from God that He gives to you freely. You don't have to do anything, and you certainly um, don't work your way towards it. And having wealth is not a sign from God, is what we believe that you're doing something right, right? Because what if you, I don't know, what if you get cancer? What if you have a, a chronic illness oh, where geez. you can't yeah. work yeah. and uh, yeah, and you, you can't ever achieve that kind or of wealth? I guess wealth, you stole right? your wealth. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, you can't. Well, and that's honestly, it, so this is, is a bit of a sore point okay. for me because you have a lot of these preachers on TV and that's people's only exposure to Christianity mm-hmm. is like, hey, you got to call in and buy this anointing oil mm-hmm. or like, you know, plant a seed. They still do that? That's still around? Oh, yeah. Is it? It's huge. Oh, is it? Huge. <laughs> a lot of the biggest uh, churches by membership in the States, like individual churches, uh, preach this because essentially it's just preaching... It's like those you, tokens you were saying, or yeah, whatever. The indulgences. Yeah, the indulgences, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's... Modern it's, day indulgences. Modern it seems similar. Just hearing it, it seems it's, similar. Well, everything comes, yeah, full, comes circle. full circle. I see right? what you're saying. I feel like the the, mo- the happiest people in my life do have some monetary means. It's not like they're dirt poor, but wealth w- wasn't a path to fulfillment. And I think I always kind of heard that mm-hmm. when I was younger. And now I feel like I've experienced it more because over the years I've managed to accumulate a little bit of wealth or whatever we're going to call it. But I can see how that's not happiness. And But when you're younger and you don't have any cash, yeah. you're thinking, oh my gosh, like I just see, want... I don't know. I kind of differentiate between like happiness and joy. So like joy is kind of something deep seated that, you know, my financial or sorry, my financial future might go up and down. Right. But my eternal future is firm. Like it's, I'm, I have full confidence in my eternal uh, mm. destiny um, because of what Christ has done for me. Um, so I can have, I can have confidence, confidence in that. And that confidence leads to joy, like this deep seated joy. If I'm is, so is that deep seated joy be coming from the fact because you're saying what Christ has done for you is yeah. is that is that just fulfilling the role of having a purpose? Do, do you know what I mean? Because I'm I'm not yeah. trying to discount what you said. Yeah, I, I just mean I think all of us need a purpose. Like if yeah. you don't have a purpose, you get bored, you go crazy. Is this when you say that? Is it that's just giving your? I don't mean to yeah. mean it when I say just. I, I I I'm just trying to point out that is this a way to have like this eternal purpose and that's very satisfying as a human? Yeah, I would say it's uh, it's a purpose with an eternal dimension to it, right? Like it's not just I've, 
I did good on this earth, so I feel good kind of purpose, right? Like, you know, I'm, I really believe in this cause and I'm going to go out and do my best because I believe in it. It's, you know, I believe I'm a sinner and I believe that I am deserve eternal condemnation. And I also believe that Jesus in his mercy died for my sins so that I don't have to experience hell right, an eternal uh, separation from God. So therefore, I live in thankfulness every day. And it, it's, it's humbling, right? It's like, look, my eternal destiny is taken care of by completely not my own doing. So therefore, I live in, in, in obedience and submission to God out of love. For and me. so what makes you a sinner? Just the fact that you're born or conceived and born in sin. So that, that um, I, I think it's evident because like I know myself and mm-hmm. I know well enough to know that I'm a sinner and you know, you I can- always question that because in Catholic school, I think I told you guys this before when I had to go to confession, I don't know. I was a pretty good kid and yeah. I had to kind of lie to pretty the priest. Good. See, this is, so okay. what is the yeah. standard? Like sin, what does sin mean? Like sin is, um, something that goes contrary to God's will. So can you say that uh, like you had the example before of like, you know, a cup of water and it's pure water and you put one drop of something else in there and now it's no longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. I forgot. Right. Like you yes. put a drop of poison in a glass of water. It's mostly what it's mostly good. Like, you know, you mm-hmm. can drink it, but you are now going to die if you drink that. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's the same so sort of thing. Sinners, like you're not hundred percent pure. Yeah. So God demands perfection. God is perfectly holy, perfectly, um, you know, uh, perfect. So, how can we attain that standard as human beings who are fallen and broken people? Like we might have a good day and that's great, but like a good, according to what standard, first of all, yeah. and then like, can you sustain that for your whole life? Like you might have a sinful thought, you might have a sinful, like, so it's, it's humbling to just accept the fact that you are a sinner. And that's kind of the first step, um, to like the faith journey, I think is acknowledging there's a problem. And then we, we talk about this with the money system too, right? Like you start with the problem, like, Hey guys, this is broken. Mm-hmm. This doesn't work. Uh, oh, there's a solution over here. Okay, well, let's explore that more, right? Nobody will, you will never convince anybody about that Bitcoin is a good or necessary thing unless they first accept that there's a problem, right? And that's where everybody yeah, starts, okay. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they think, and I've had this conversation many times, right? Like, oh, there's no, what's wrong with our money system? It's fine. Then Bitcoin is just like a distraction. Right. Once people realize there's a problem and more people are realizing that now because they can't pay their bills, you're like, I didn't I'm still doing what I was doing 10 years ago, working hard. But things have changed. What is it? Oh, it's the system. So the same kind of idea. If you don't have that. Got it. Yeah. Starting point. Because yeah, that is helpful. And nothing else. Bitcoin. So then you're so then that's where that is, is, is happening to you. You're saying, well, the default operating system of a human is as a, a sinner. Yeah. And if you accept that, then you yeah. can understand that there's this one truth and that is what you are living to aspire to. And the worst thing is if you don't acknowledge that you're a sinner, right? Like if you just shit, go I'm your not life. Sure. I'm not sure I do. Right? If you go I'm your life. Uh, we're working on you. Oh, shit. Okay. But if you go your, go your entire life <laughs> thinking you're good, right? Yeah. Then, then you never realize there's a problem, right? So Damn, it's I thought thing, I was a good right? person. Now you guys are leaving like, shit, man. What's wrong with well, me? <laughs> I think I'm a good person too, selfishly, but I acknowledge I'm not, right? Like, yeah, and that's yeah, where yeah. you start looking at the book like the bible and you compare your life it's like okay god demands this and i did that it's like oh, okay well i didn't meet that command right okay well i'm a sinner 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like you could just start it. Com- okay, got it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. I guess this, the word sin is just like almost. Yeah. It's such a powerful word to me. Yeah. I don't know why. That just feels like wow. It you're, should be. Yeah, yeah you're like you're, you're really going for it when you're saying we're all sinners. You're it's like eternal, I'm like like we believe it's eternal consequence, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, like <clears throat> in my life too, I try to. Can I just think, use that as an excuse when I screw up? Sometimes I'm going to just tell people, "Hey, listen, yeah. man, I'm a sinner. What do you want me to do? Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, what do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah, that's well, a common attitude. That's, that's the first step. <laughs> oh, it's acknowledge it. <laughs> and then what do you do? You repent. Right. That's the, um, yeah. Well, you find a savior, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so we, so there's an example in the Bible for us, I think, um, where Jesus came and you like the 10 commandments, you know, the 10 commandments, right? So you could, and a lot of people will look at quest trivia. What's the first commandment? Oh God, I won't be able to (laughs) recite them, but yes. I mean, it looks like he looks like someone delivering the 10 commandments to me right now with this beard. <laughs> Keep going, Mark. <laughs> Moses was actually the first uh, person to use technology, right? The, the, yeah. He downloaded yeah. the uh, the law onto a tablet. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> that I'm all on board with. I love that kind of explanation. Yeah, it's a joke. Yeah. It's a stone. No, tablet. I'm no. Yeah, stone Anyways, tablet. But it was bad. Technology was written down. I'm yeah. I'm on board with this. Oh, okay, I it's didn't not even, even think a of joke. That way. Yeah, yeah. It was written and down. It, it was well, he downloaded down. from the cloud onto a onto tablet. Onto the stone, yeah. permanent from the cloud. The internet did exist back then. Yeah. Um, But anyway, so you got the Ten Commandments, and a lot of people look at that, and there were people uh, like the Israelites in the Old Testament who looked at that and said, okay, I've obeyed all of these, so I'm good, right? Jesus came and said, okay, so it says, do not murder. That's, That's cool. You haven't murdered, Tom. But, you know, Jesus said, I tell you, if you condemn your brother in your heart, or if you call your brother a fool, or if you hate him, you're murdering him in your heart, mm. right? And there's, so you have, um, going a little bit, uh, a little bit deeper, maybe like everything is, everything is, ha- or if you build something, you're actually building it maybe twice or three times, right? So if you build a house, there's the actual physical building of the house. But before that, you build it on paper. You, before that, you build it in your head, right? So when we think of, you know, how things actually happen, it's not just the physical act that's important, Mm -hmm. but it's the conception, the preconception of that thing. So when we talk about murder, well, murder starts with hate in your heart towards somebody. So Jesus said that is the same thing. Right, you're not actually stabbing Got somebody. It. The in physical the neck. world is a manifestation of what began as a thought. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Same and thing so, with the sexual sins, right? Like, do not commit adultery. Okay, well, I didn't sleep with someone outside of my marriage, but uh, you know, I saw that lady and I lusted after her. Right. So, like that—that that is what Jesus said as well. Right. Yeah. Just look at the heart. Got it. Right. And there, there was actually a for like that was in the like, do not covet is one of the commandments. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a heart thing. Right. That's like looking at Tom's Tesla and going like, oh, I really want to have that. Yeah. Like, how can I how can I get that? Yeah. What do I do? Can I can I screw Tom over somehow to get his Tesla? Right. Oh, so just ask me. <laughs> <laughs> you that, try with that. I never thought I of that. It's like Tom. a 50 50 chance. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> um, but that's the idea. It's, it's a it's a heart thing. Um, I guess is, is the idea. So when we say like, yeah, I'm pretty good. Cause I haven't stolen. I haven't done this. Well, it's like, okay, now reexamine your life in regards to the sort of spiritual manifestation of those thoughts. Like, have you done any of those? And then I know for myself, and, and this is kind of important, right? Um, 
evolution of of belief or Christianity, I guess, right? It used to be like the priest looking at you, Tom, you've done wrong, right? With sort of the Reformation and with the new way of thinking about it, it's not like I'm pointing at myself first, mm-hmm. right? Before I say you've, you've done this or you've mm-hmm. done that, I got to look at myself and what have I done? And that's my primary concern, not to tell you what you've done wrong, but to figure out what I've done wrong, change my life. And then maybe, maybe you'll see that and you'll be like, oh, why do you live that way? Or why are you doing that way? As a much more effective way of, of I think, evangelizing than, um, and there's, a, there's room for the spoken word and for talking to people, right? But you're never going to come to church or, or open mm-hmm. the Bible. Yeah, that's a much better way if, to go about life. Yeah, if sure. you look at me yeah. and you're like, no, that guy, like, he's at the strip club all the time. Or, well, I mean, look, it, you know, like I said, I, I went to Croatia a lot as a kid, so I went to church a lot as a kid. It's a, you know, Catholic country. And, and it, when I was a kid, they were still even, you know, doing a lot of it in Latin. Um, but I'll, I'll never forget when an aunt that was really close to me <clears throat> passed away to get a prayer said for her um, in church. It's widely accepted that I had to go and pay the priest. So then I went, and with my cousin, we went to the priest's house. This is only like, I don't know, this is like five years ago. Not even, five, maybe five years ago? Wow. Less. And uh, paid the priest one amount of money. Then he made a note to say, you know, however many prayers he was going to say at the church. And that was like a political thing because you wanted your family's name said in church. That kind of signals to everyone else you're supporting the church. It's like this like political thing. But then there was another amount of money that we gave that was off the books. If the first one was on the book, you know, because he wrote it on his little paper, uh, I don't, I don't want to call it a ledger, but some <laughs> documented thing. <laughs> kind of was like, oh, this family paid me this much, right? And then there was another amount that we just gave because that's what you, you know, that's what my cousin who lives there, like, this is what you do. And I'm like, really? Like, how much do I give this guy? <laughs> like, are we giving euros? Like, what kind of currency am I using? To and uh, and then, you didn't yeah, give there was, Bitcoin, a, there was a, no. Okay. Oh my gosh. Um, and, uh, yeah, gave some euros and that was like just an off the books accepted amount of what you did. And I just remember thinking it was just so fascinating. But so my exposure to the church through my whole life has been me questioning some of these practices. So when I hear you guys describe it, it is definitely a different take on it, a different stance, a different interpretation of, of it. My exposure, um, has been really just different. In many ways, it's a rabbit hole, right? Like you, once you start, it's like, oh, I'm going to question this. Like, why do I believe that? And then you start reading, right? And we start reading stuff. And then you start cross-referencing different parts of the Bible. And you're like, okay, if it says this here and it says this here, like, how do I determine what's the right thing? How can you reconcile? Because when you see behavior like I just described, in my mind, it's like, well, well, I'm going to listen to these guys say, because when you see things like this, it just didn't jive with me. It was just, it was incongruent, right? So it just, it then diminished anything that was spoken. I thought, oh, well, this is like, none of this is adding up. It's all broken. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, if you just think of um, the thief on the cross, now if you're familiar with the story, but when Jesus was crucified, right, he was put on that cross, There were two people next to him, mm-hmm. right? Two, and they're, they're called thieves, but they're likely, um, you wouldn't get crucified just for stealing, right? So they're probably like robbers, like a band of robbers. Um, 
anyways, they were kind of insulting Jesus at first. And the one continued and the other one eventually said like, no, stop. Like this, this is the son of God, right? Don't do that. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, you are going to be with me in paradise today. And that was, so the only thing that guy did was to acknowledge Jesus as the son of God. He didn't, yeah. nobody said prayers for him. Nobody bought anything. Uh, he didn't live a good life. He didn't uh, make amends for all the, like perhaps in his heart because he realized there's something else going on here. Right. But um, I, I guess my point is salvation's free. You just need to acknowledge Jesus and everything else. Um, it's, yeah. it's not window dressing. Like we have responsibilities here, but that's all that is required. And if somebody tells you something different, like that's not the gospel, go read your Bible. Mm. Yeah. That's all he, he was that saying. Like this robber was saying, you know, we are here justly because our sins deserve this punishment. Like he's like, I can see in my life, I did this and now I'm getting punished for it. And that's a just thing, right? According to the law, I shouldn't have done this. So now I'm getting punished. But he said about Jesus, he's like, he didn't do anything wrong and he's getting punished. So it's kind of like, you know, why are we hurling insults at this man? Mm-hmm. Right. But you guys on your podcast, this is what you talk about. Um, this is so the context we, from which we talk. We don't <laughs> actually, to be honest, we don't usually get this deep. So our podcast is aimed at Christians and maybe we should be a little bit more explicit, but we presuppose a level of knowledge. Right. This is what we, we kind of started it for because there wasn't really much in that we could see anyways, uh, Christians in real estate. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're again, we're presupposing a level of knowledge, um, but we also don't. It's just like our daily lives. Right. We're not having these conversations all the time in our daily lives. Right. I might be talking like fascinating conversation. Yeah. <laughs> well, like you go to the grocery store. Yeah. Right? <laughs> hey, I no, just but, had this thought. Yeah. You challenge me on this. You're yeah. a sinner. <laughs> <laughs> there's, so there's room. There's room. I just for saw it. you cut that lady off at the yeah. self checkout. Okay. I just saw you that. You're a I saw that sinner. I need sinner some, just yelling across the store. I need someone like that in my life, actually, just yeah. to hold me accountable. Yeah. But um, no, I mean, on the podcast, we like we talk a lot about real estate, and so we just have some practical stuff, right? Like okay. I'm into short-term rentals. He's into densification. Um, so some episodes, um, that's what we talk about. Okay. Right? Got it. But the, the idea is that um, this is what underpins our belief system mm-hmm. and how we act, how we should act, um, and everything that we do. So, you know, it's it maybe sounds a little bit corny, but like if uh, if he's building an ADU, he's building it to the glory of God. That's the ultimate purpose behind it. And he's not, you know, they're not necessarily thinking that when they're pouring concrete or, um, you know, or framing it or whatever, but that's sort of, that's, that's be, not that he's actually pouring. And why, concrete. sorry. And then why explain that one to me? Cause you lost me there. Um, so I, I'm just saying this underpins our, our existence. Okay. Everything and then everything you do is yeah. in alignment. Yeah. But then we, well, not always. No, not always. But that's the that's the idea. Yeah, but that's why we that's don't like we don't always um, yes. say on the podcast like, okay, I'm running this Airbnb to God's glory because it's it's kind of understood and it also kind of cheapens a little bit. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is we're not Bible thumping, I guess, on the podcast all the time. We'll talk about it and we'll talk about things from a Christian perspective. Got but it. Okay. Uh, we're not always going this deep and talking about the Reformation or what absolute mm-hmm. truth is, right? Like these conversations, I think, are 
you very useful and i just think that if i just look around my world much of them can't happen because the money is broken so i see how bitcoin uh, like fits into your world of view because to me if we can fix the inequality in the the money the 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 stopping the theft of time and labor yeah. it frees human n- nature to explore these other ideas where i think right now everyone's on the hamster wheel yeah. and there's just no time to even sit down and really explore these and to agree or even disagree or challenge and, ex- you know, really think about this kind yeah. of stuff. And it would be really useful, I think, to be able to have more conversations around this kind of stuff. Hey, well, come on again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one thing that I just thought of quickly, um, <clears throat> so uh, the word fiat, right? Um, you guys talk about this all the time and I feel like it's kind of come up more frequently just in conversations. Yeah. Cause it like, never used to come yeah. up. Like we used to talk about it never did. Now I love it because it's, it's everywhere. Like, yeah. So, um, I think we have a pretty firm grasp and listeners might have a firm grasp of what fiat money is, but like in the Bible. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so God created everything. Right. And it says fiat lux. That's the first thing like God spoke. He said, let there be light, right? So um, God God spoke and there was something, right? So God has this power invested in him to create things out of nothing that human beings don't possess, right? We don't really have that power. So when the government says like fiat money or let there be money, like money by my decree, who said so? Well, I said so. It's like, well, who are you, right? You're not God. And God can say, let there be light and let there be all kinds of things. And they do exist, right? And who are we to contest that? But when when governments and people who are what we confess like weak sinners do this, it's corrupted, right? So um, like if you have a gold standard, for example, like at least what we're doing with a gold standard is rooting our monetary system in nature, which was created by God. So it has that kind of sense of reality or or restriction Mm -hmm. on, um, you know, just printing it to oblivion or debasing it. Right. And there's still that human tendency. Right. But whenever you add humans in the mix, they're sinful and they're like, I'm going to corrupt this to my advantage. Right. Even if they say they're not going to for a while, then the temptation is too large and they do. Right. So, um, that's just an interesting parallel that I thought of after last time we tried to do this. <laughs> yeah, gold is like, it, like I think this is something Lynn Alden, I think, mentions is like yeah. nature's ledger. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And then man came in and decreed this other thing over it and tried to make this other ledger that it told you was the all yeah. powerful truth. Yeah. And you can see what that does to society, right? Like if if you live in a, like with a false sense of reality and the government has basically power over the money supply and they can dilute it to their advantage or to the advantage of the people close to them, um, you know, that, that has effects all across society. And then, um, you know, uh, the incentives for people to behave properly just kind diminish, of diminish, yeah. right? And it's getting more, it gets more obvious. Like when they were only stealing 2% a year, quote unquote, (laughs) it was like, okay, it's small enough that the most people didn't even really feel it or notice it. But then when the theft got to a documented 8%, which we all know was higher than that, then you just look around the world right now and you're, and it's kind of no wonder to me that people can't find good workers in different areas. It's like, why work if you pay tax? (laughs) No, but really like, yeah. And it comes to light when you can start to see the change in your lifetime, right? Yeah. Like if you can, if I'm 
whatever, I'm younger than Mark. So if I can see in my lifetime (laughs) that the education system has deteriorated, right? Like I went through college and now I have siblings who are 10, you know, 12 years younger than me and they're choosing to not go because it's just ridiculous, right? Yeah. And I'm like, that's in 10 years. Like all of this generation is not going to school anymore. Like, right. And they're working hard and they want to get ahead and they have the same kind of drive that I did, but they're just... The education system's deteriorated and they're just not interested. So I wonder what, so it just feels, I guess things for people to like see if we just kind of steer the conversation a little bit just to the financial side now for a second and Mm -hmm. just Bitcoin, I feel like it's going to take a lot of a much greater societal breakdown for people to be able to see what Bitcoin is. Because to your point earlier, Mark, people need to see the kind of like what's wrong with something to see the kind of maybe the answer. Yeah. And I feel like people still don't see what's wrong with stuff, yeah. even though maybe you're banging the table, you're banging that, and yeah. we're all banging the table. The pain's getting higher. It is I, getting I, higher, <laughs> but I feel like it's still not seen. Yeah. Like, I'm going to get together with some you know, friends that I haven't seen in a long time, and I'm sure in that conversation, Bitcoin's going to come up, and it'll just be dismissed by a few of them for just for sure and completely outright like just that is funny let's move the discussion on you know how about the leaves yeah 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 speaking Uh, of pain and suffering yeah so uh, um i guess uh, brent i really want you to just share what are you doing in the real estate world mark's been on but i just get a quick update from you, you mark as well but you've been on talking about what you do in the real estate world what are you doing right now with yeah good stewards so um I used to work in industrial design, which is product design. And I kind of got jaded with that industry a little bit because um, when you, uh, yeah, this is a fiat conversation all over again, mm-hmm. right? Because even, even that industry is impacted by, you know, we have to mass produce the next big thing. And like, you know, you had a new blow dryer and you can make a new blow dryer next year that has to be a little bit better and sell it to everybody and make lots of money. And so I, anyways, um, during COVID, I, um, uh, I, st- I quit my job and I started a full-time uh, company. Well, started a company with my wife called Good Stewards. Um, so while I was working, I had uh, I had bought a property. I think it was 2014, and this huge brainwave. Like I got the the mortgage statement after a year, and I and I was working like full-time at that time, right? So I was like, okay, this is great. What is this piece of mail? I've never got one of these before. <laughs> CIBC is probably like I owe them. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, like, yeah. This is gonna never good bad. news. It's honey, never good news. Honey, put it on the junk pile. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I opened it up and it's like $8,900 or something of principal pay down. And I was going through the numbers, right? Like, okay, you pay your tax, there's some life insurance in there, and then like the interest component. Like, okay, whatever, right? I signed up for this, I know what I'm getting into. And then the principal, I was like, how am I going to work that many hours to make this money? Like, and the tenants just paid for it all. And that was like, I got to read and do this. And, and then I was like, okay, I got to help other people do this. And that was kind of been my life for the last nine, 10 years is. Cause that was such a gain to you. You, yeah. couldn't, you couldn't even comprehend it. I was like, I would have to work an extra month or two mm-hmm. and I just don't have that time. Right. And so I can see even now in the, after the first year that this is going to benefit my life over the long term, And I want other people to see the same thing. Right. And then you start going down all these rabbit holes, right? It's like, okay, well, what's the power of leverage? Oh, what's the, like, you know, and you start looking at the money system and all the advantages of real estate and real estate in different areas and different strategies. Right. So my car, like back and forth to Toronto every day was like this little university on wheels, right? The podcast going and you guys and whatever. Right. So, 
Um, so I kind of started Good Stewards with that same kind of mission that we've, we've spoke about, about stewardship, uh, but to help other people steward their wealth uh, wisely as well, right? So, so are you working with other people now or helping? Yeah, so we, uh, we've done a, a bunch of joint ventures with people um, where we, we co-own the property and we'll go out and um, we'll buy something and intensify it. Um, and then we do the property management as well for long-term rentals. Um, like I think you talked about Mark, he's in the short-term space. We're kind of in the long, long-term, like just a regular lease. Um, but yeah, now we're intensifying it. So maybe turning a yeah. single family into a legal duplex exactly, or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Turning, turning a single family home that's underutilized into a duplex or a triplex, or maybe severing the land, building multiple units, um, and, and kind of looking at that strategy. Uh, and what I've been seeing over the last little while is, um, you know, single family homes used to be this thing where you could just buy it and then rent it out. And Crazy concept, right? Yeah, and but like it <laughs> the was good old days, Brent. Real you're, estate too, used to, well, you're too young to remember those days, Brent. <laughs> it used to be so attainable for people, right? And we it, used to rent out single family homes on the Hamilton Mountain oh, for like tell me. like fourteen hundred bucks, and it was like, oh, I think that's okay. Like maybe yeah. the cash flow will only be this much, but we're good, you know. Like fourteen hundred bucks, whole home, yeah, whole home. Wow, that was like the two thousand and you know late, yeah, mid two thousand two thousand five two thousand ten era. Yeah, so in a way that's exciting in a way it's kind of sad but <laughs> we find ourselves in this situation where we're like analyzing the macro level picture and most people don't do this right so you you analyze it and you're like guys we got to do something like you're you're working really hard and you're saving and i laud you for that but you're not investing so you're not getting ahead so we have people come to the office and tell us like you know hey i got these mutual funds and like they just got destroyed and whatever right the and fees. i'm like well obviously like you're <laughs> you're in the wrong game right so so our whole mission is to try and help people to like acknowledge that they have blessings and then steward them well and people don't really realize there's so many people who have like they own a house and they have like a n little mortgage or no mortgage right and they have good income yeah they're like i'm good right yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to say well, a lot of those grew up in the era of 18% interest rates in the eighties. Yeah, so they're save, just, they're just not, yeah, not willing to take on any debt at all, which sometimes you can't argue against that because yeah. that's their bias or their frame of reference. Right. So it is, it is risk, right? And like investing your money is risk, but, and that's kind of sucks because you have to invest in this environment, but you want a partner who, or like somebody who can kind of guide you. And that's the kind of the role we want to fill is coming in and saying, look, like we've done this before. We, you know, very cool. Right. So yeah, walk awesome. people through the steps and, uh, yeah, it's, it's really rewarding. I really enjoy it. And it's a lot of work, Yeah, a lot of stress, yeah. but it's funny you say that about the envelope, but you know, my experience of, of really questioning my corporate nine to five rule was driving on the 403 and Nick and I had already owned student rentals in Hamilton. And I'll just never forget the traffic going eastbound along the 403 through Mississauga to get to my job was bumper to bumper. And the yeah. other direction was wide open. Yeah. And our properties were in the other direction. Like I'm like, I could just get on the 403 and go to Hamilton. And those properties, when we would open the statements, we bought one student yeah. rental for 250,000. We thought we got ripped off. And in short order, we were like, wow, look at all the equity that we're building up here. And I just never, just similar to you looking at yeah. your statement, I'll just never forget driving to that corporate job going, what am I doing? Like I'm making more money with these properties that are in the other direction. And you're doing less work. I'm doing less work. And also the highway is clear. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, it, it was just like this, I'm like, what am I doing? And it was just every day it irritated me more and more and more. Well, the I'm difficult fine. part is that 
uh, like what I was saying earlier about the single family home it used to be like you just buy one and then rent it out, mm-hmm. right? But it's getting increasingly difficult for the average person who well, has a job to like put that aside and go. Yeah, and then sever- just 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 to just to give some frame of reference, when we rented those homes out at that time, a family paying fourteen hundred dollars a month to rent that home was a lot of money. Yeah. So just for context, I know looking back now, it looks like oh my gosh, but in that era, yeah, fourteen hundred dollars as a percentage of your income, it really was still high. was like wow, like this is quite a lot. Yeah, but I guess the point is that the numbers work, right? Like your rents covered your mortgage or your debt mm-hmm. and all the expenses and made some money. So yeah. it was, it was a prudent investment. Um, but now you can't, you can't just buy a house and rent it out and expect it to carry itself. So it's actually not going to be a great investment because mm-hmm. you're going to have to put your own money. In yeah. Every month. And that's when we turn to student <laughs> rentals because we're like, Oh yeah. gosh, this isn't working. Okay. There's this thing with real estate's interesting. It's creative in that we can take the same home and rent it to students, yeah. provide good housing here, good, you know, clean, safe and functional housing. And this would be the return that was also led us down that whole rent to own concept. Yeah. We're like, Oh gosh, like we could offer a family the opportunity to buy this house from us and the higher than average rent was only slightly higher but it made enough sense then for us to buy the property and uh we had multiple people buy rent to owns out in that process and kind of was like was all this new ways and now today i just i guess part of that is that it just requires more of your time and more expertise and more dedication right like you that's fair for 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 like a student rental there's just a little bit of extra complex uh or complexity to it that the average person who's like you know i just don't really it's not it becomes this barrier to entry for right? sure. Like yeah. you go into your corporate yeah. job and it, it like you make great income. That's great. But yeah, I, I would invest, but I just don't have yeah. the time. And the corporate salaries, quote unquote, guaranteed. Yeah. No, on the end of the month, I'm getting paid. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not going to reduce my time at work because yeah. I got this on the go. Right. Um, so yeah. And people don't really necessarily think about it either. Right? I, I guess what really got me to challenge my thinking was extrapolating, extrapolating my life forward 20 years. And I remember yeah. thinking it's funny cause I'm 50 now. And I remember thinking when I was, if I was 50 and I had to go to my boss and ask for approval to take like a two weeks vacation and get denied, <laughs> well, you might as well stab me in the leg because like <laughs> that would be the lowest of the low. Like I'm just not, yeah. I, I really like my autonomy and my sovereignty. Yeah. So I'm just not the person to ask for something and get denied. I'm just not my personality type. <laughs> but I thought if I'm 50 years old and like that happens to me, well, yeah. I mean, then that's it. Like this, this is this yeah, is just a horror point. show. Yeah. So that really did it for me. And then that was you know 30 around that time. And that like that's when I decided yeah. I must change my path. Yeah. Because this path sucks. Yeah. See, I had quite a bit of autonomy at my job. Um, at the time, which was, it was a huge blessing. It was great. But, um, you know, when I got that statement in the mail, the mortgage statement, you see the principal on there, that was like, there is just no competition here, right? Like the amount of work that I put, the amount of work that I put into the property versus the amount of work hours I put in at work. Um, yeah, it just, it just didn't make sense. Like, why is that one worth so much more than this one? Right. (laughs) And then, so Mark, what, um, can you tell, I don't know if you want to give an update on your book, or you know, medium midterm rentals. Is that something you're still doing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're my wife and I uh, own a company, Joy Hill Property Management, and uh, yeah, we specialize in short and midterm rentals. So, kind of the we 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 do manage some long term rentals as well, but that's not like our passion, right? We started out renting our basement 
many years ago. And, uh, you know, not as a result of any deep thinking, but just like, oh, I think we can get more money doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? This yeah. Airbnb is pretty cool. We liked it traveling. So uh, we did that. And then just, uh, you know, we've kind of leveraged that into, um, into a business where we do it for other people. Right. And it's, it's constantly changing, constantly yeah. evolving. Um, and we're doing more remote management now. Oh. Right? Because, well, a lot of municipalities are really uh, regulating uh, the heck out of short-term rentals to the point where unless it's your primary residence, you can't do it. And that's just, you know, we kind of, that's the future, I think, in Canada anyways, because uh, we, we like regulation so much. So, you know, we're looking. We're going to regulate new homes into existence. That's how we think. <laughs> you know? We have regulated no. that Canada must have more homes, so it yeah. must happen by decree. Yeah, by we decree. started on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, cool. But, um, yeah, so we manage short and midterm rentals for people, uh, whatever strategy works, and, and doing more of the remote stuff. We do some hands-on as well, but that's just sort of the Hamilton area. Area. And uh, yeah, we we wrote a book about our experience. Share the name of the book. Uh, you, me, and Airbnb, and that's on Amazon. Um, and yeah, it's just it's it's kind of it's about it's about short and midterm rentals, but it's also just about our journey sure. in real estate. And like, we're just a regular couple. We didn't we bought our first investment property in I think 2018, and that's without really understanding things. We didn't really get serious about real estate till probably 2020, right? Maybe 2019 when we joined oh, Rockstar. Wow. wow. And, um, yeah. Really. You seem so experienced now. I mean, it's 2023. It's the beard. Yeah. It's, yeah, the, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, without yeah. it. You'd be like, credibility. Yeah, guy? Yeah. <laughs> what here. is this dude? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we had been doing Airbnb for, it's been probably 10 years now, right? Got it. So we have yeah. a fair amount of depth in, in that area, but in, you know, just learning about real estate. Yeah. That's, we're still new. So, um, yeah, so that's what we do. And we, we have four kids at home. Um, you know, they're in school, mo uh, the, the oldest uh, three anyways. But we've kind of tried to shape our lives in a way where we can be with our kids. And we can have, and it's not just about freedom, but quality of life, but also just like, awesome. um, we that's awesome. this is yeah. what we do, right? Part of that's our Christian worldview. Um, and, and, and part of it is just like, yeah, we want to have this life where we could both go out and have jobs and honestly earn more income, right? More T4 income. Um, but then we wouldn't be around with the kids. And we did that for the first few years of our marriage. My wife was a nurse. And, uh, so she was doing shift work. I, I worked, you know, I was doing construction and different things. And then, and then I started a business, but, um, it was just brutal, right? We'd be dropping like one of the kids off at uh, at somebody's house, or like we, you know, she'd yeah. finish her yeah. shift, just run and go pick up the kid that I had just dropped off, or whatever, right? And just brutal. So um, there's more to wealth than just simple financial wealth, right? There's you know wealth in a, in 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 terms of your standard of living. So, anyways, that's kind of what we yeah, do. The we, depth of we your work experience. From home. Yes. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, we love it. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, that's it's, you, and and Brent, you have th is it? Did you say three kids? Yeah, we have three kids. We got a four year old, a two year old, and a five month old. Mm -hmm. Wow. So yeah, it's hectic. You guys are both both busy. <laughs> I gotta say, like, I just feel really grateful and blessed and honored that you you know we've crossed paths the way we have, the way you guys kind of contribute back into different rock star investors and helping people and guiding them and. Um, I just feel fortunate that 
there's people like you that are contributing to other investors who you don't really know too well and the way you do. So thank you for everything that yeah. you guys are doing. We really, really appreciate it. You know, um, I, yeah, just, it, it gives, it gives, I think Nick and I, a lot of reasons to keep doing this business, seeing what you guys do and how you interact. Um, it's really cool. So I really don't know how to thank you enough. And thank you for coming on and sharing this. The name of the podcast and the website for anyone who wants to find the podcast is? TwoStewards.ca. T-W-O, stewards.ca. And then is it an episode a week, a month? Yeah, one a week. One a week. One a week that goes out. And uh, It's tough. Sometimes it's like the last <laughs> minute. We're like, Mark, we got to do what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Consistency is <laughs> yeah. tough. So twostewards.ca, and it's called the Two Stewards Show. Yeah. Correct? That's yeah. Right. yeah. Thanks, guys. Really, yeah. really appreciate Thank this. You. Thank really, you, Tom. Yeah, Thanks yeah. for the, the, the whole rock star platform and ecosystem, right? Because yeah. you guys put yourselves out there. And also help investors without, yeah. I mean, you, you make some money, but uh, there's a lot. It's not just like a real estate brokerage. There's lots of those around, but uh, all the stuff you do naturally is going to attract people like us mm-hmm. who want to help others. And that's, we've seen that with so many other Rockstar members as well. I'm, I'm gushing here, but um, <laughs> no, it's, it's a really cool thing. That's part of what attracted us to this. It's like yeah. we can be here and we can contribute and it'll be valued and we can receive uh, value from uh, and like we've learned a ton from you guys too so yeah thanks for that sometimes you know when you know you could do more or different or why are we not doing this you kind of are just very self-critical and i think sometimes nick and i are like oh we could be also sharing this or explaining things this way and but then behind the scenes we can barely pull off what we're pulling off you know what i mean we're scrambling to pull all of this off right so uh yeah anyway thanks for that mark really appreciate it thanks thank you thank you Hey everyone, hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Mark and Brent. Remember, you can find them and their podcast at twostewards.ca. That's twostewards.ca. And if you want to check out the Rockstar Inner Circle membership a bit more, you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms.